gracious and loving God, you have sent forth the Spirit. Lord, we thank you for our confirmation students as they have shared with us this day. We thank you for the celebrations of our young people who we are lifting up at all points of their lives. But Lord, at this hour, this moment, we come unto you that even with everything that we learned, that there is still yet more to learn. Speak unto our hearts and our minds and our spirits. Move me behind the cross, that the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, be sweet unto you this day, dear Lord. For this is your day. Let us hear a word from you. In Jesus' name, amen. The ushers may be seated. We thank you for your service this morning. what Mary offered to God, Jesus Christ, while she was on earth and he was on earth, in those last days, six days before Passover, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Lazarus, Lazarus who had been dead and now was yet alive. He was at the home of good friends. And one of these friends was Mary, one of them was Martha, and in other passages you will hear them discussing various different things. But Mary had a fragrance, and that fragrance was made of nard. Nard is a flower, a flower that's called a spike nard. It is born and raised, and it is created in the country in the land where Jesus was. Nard is mentioned twice in the Bible. It is mentioned in a love poem in the Song of Solomon, and it is mentioned in this passage in regards to anointing Jesus. But the thing that we tend to miss sometimes is the smell of how precious the fragrance was. For some of us, the fragrance is ever so light. For some of us, when we walk into a room and we smell something different, we don't know what it looks like. And sometimes if it's something that didn't please us or we weren't comfortable with, we simply do like Judas did. Why is she giving that precious anointing oil, that perfume oil, that costs so much? Why is she giving that to Jesus now? So the perfume, the expense, the understanding that Nard was a precious smelling perfume that was part of anointing oil, that made the fragrance smell ever so sweet. The question is, was it worth the cost? As we move from smell and we move from the colors, and we move from newness, I want you to think about a year's pay. Everybody got a thought of how much they make in a year, whether you're retired, semi-retired, partially working, not working. What do you make in a year? I don't need to know the number. Jesus already knows that. But what if every dollar that you made in the course of a year, you invested it, an anointing oil, and you were willing to give it to God, no strings attached. Everybody have a number? Got your personal number. Students, I need you to take your allowance times a year and put a three-quarter marker in that. That's how much money we're talking about. 
your summer part-time job, add that in, get a number. Everybody should have a kind of number. And my question is, it's not what the number is, but would you be willing to give all three quarters of that money, no strings attached to God, and anoint his body? I didn't see anyone jump up and down and say, I volunteered. I'm willing to give up the money right now. And if they did, Mr. Mitchell, we want them to write a check right now in the name of Jesus. Amen? If they're willing to give all that unto God right now, just see Mr. Mitchell. He's willing to accept your check in the name of Jesus. Amen? Why do I say these things? Because those are the core elements beyond or underneath the story of the oil. Questions. What did the oil really cost? The scripture says it cost 300 denaro. One denaro was considered one day's work for the people in that time and day. If you take 300 and look at the number of days in a year, regardless of then or now, 365 days is what a year encompasses. So if the woman gave something that was worth 300 denaro, and 300 denaro equals 300 days of work, she literally gave her pay of more than three quarters of a year. She didn't just give a little. She didn't give what was left over. She actually gave sacrificially to honor her God. So as we prepare for this teaching, preaching, interactive component, now you have smell, now you have seen, now I'm saying, dig into your heart and say, God, how much did the oil really cost? Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, regardless of the cost, Jesus is worth the cost. Turn to your other neighbor. Neighbor, if Jesus is worth the cost, he said that you're worth the cost. He said I'm worth the cost. That we are worth the cost. Why do I look at that as the context of where we're going from? Because a lot of times we think the sacrifice should be on somebody else. But we don't want to look at the what it means for us to look at the cost of the oil that it was there to anoint the one who took our sins that we may have life and life abundantly. I'm going to look at certain scriptures, and I want you to earmark them in your Bible. I hope you have a Bible that you can write in, because the bottom line is we're going to look at these, but I hope that you will go home afterwards, identify the passages that are in lectionary today. They're on the top of the bulletin. But I want you to hear these words from Isaiah 43, Mark verses 18 through 20. 18 through 19, rather. It says, Do not remember the former things or consider the things of the old. I'm about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do not perceive it. Circle those passages in your Bible. Now move into Psalm 26, Psalm 126, rather. And I want you to think about verses 1 through 3. And it simply says, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the angels, 
the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we rejoice. Then we move to the letter of Philippians chapter 3, and I'm going to highlight verses 10 through 14, and it simply says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in death. If someone, and if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead, now that I have not already attained this, not that I have already attained this and have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made it his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have already made it on my own, but it's one thing I do know. Forgetting what lies behind me and straining forward to what lies ahead, I simply press on to the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. And then the John passage, which is our gospel, simply says, Mary took a pound of costly perfume, made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. But Judas Isariot, one of the disciples, the one who was just about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii? And the money given to the poor, but oddly enough, he was—he said this not because he cared so much about the poor, but because he was the thief. He kept the common person used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, "Leave her alone. She brought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial." You always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. Why is this important? Why are we focusing on the simple title of the sermons which was said, Worth the Cost? Why do I bring these things to the front? Why do I look at these things up front? I share with you these. This is a statement from William, William Willimon. He is a bishop in the United Methodist Church, and he tells us and reminds us that we live in a world with intrusions. The coming and the going. It is the fact that this goes on that Christians tend to look carefully and prayerfully at many events in their life, but may miss the details and miss the cost. What cost are we talking about? What cost am I mentioning? It's not just the physical cost of what the oil was about. It was the sacrificial cost. It was the monetary cost. It was the giving of a person hard-earned and expecting to do nothing but honor and lift up Jesus Christ. So what is the cost? If you were to ask the Judases in our life, the cost was simply, they didn't, we didn't want to pay the cost. He felt like the oil should have been sold and it should have been given to the poor. But in reality, when you look behind what Judas was really trying to lift up, he was trying to cover his own situation. Because it says that God knew he would betray. Jesus knew that he would be the one that would betray him. Jesus knew that he would sell him down the line for a few silver pieces. 
Are we like Judas? Do we trade Jesus on any given day? Do we sell him for a trip to the shopping mall? Do we sell him for a Burger King? Do we sell him for a sheer quick experience at the Pizza Hut? Or maybe we sell him for a moment where somebody says, it won't take long. It won't hurt. It won't, it, 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 won't, it just won't hurt. We sell Jesus just like Judas wanted to sell the oil. C.C. Winans wrote in her the lyrics of a, a famous song called The Alabaster Box. It says, the room grew still. She made her way to Jesus. She stumbled through the tears. She felt pain. But the reality also, she heard a voice. She poured out her love for her master out of her alabaster box. Alabaster is that same kind of oil, that special kind of oil, that oil that anoints a person who you care so dearly for. It was a greater love. It was a love that some of us can hardly imagine because we're still at the season in our life. We're on our spiritual journey. We're just like Judas. But I stopped here this morning to let you know even if our heart is still in the place of Judas, God is a forgiving God. And during this time of Lent, we are to be reminded that God is a God that offers us love and repentance and grace and mercy. And he asks that we would just turn and move into the newness. He says that he is doing a new thing. And that new thing comes because we're willing to receive it. When you look behind the scenes and you ask the simple question, are there more people in life than the opinion of Judas? If you look in this scripture, if you look in the John passage, Judas is the only one that speaks besides Jesus and Mary. But when you look at the whole scene, who else was there? A man who had been raised from the dead, Nazareth. A sister that was not sure that it could happen because in other passages she was kind of furious with God because Jesus didn't come soon enough to raise her brother from the dead. And when he raises Lazarus from the dead, he doesn't just call anybody out to say, he doesn't call anybody, he says, Lazarus, come unto me. Every now and then we have to remember that our name is Lazarus and that our name is Judas and that we go through things where we are wrapped up in dead people's clothes and we are in the cave and we have already been laid down and called dead. But God says, I'm about to do a new thing. I'm about to raise up a new group of people. I'm about to call off all of your dead clothes. I'm about asking you to cut off the dead clothes. And stand up because I called you by name. I called you great. I called you woman. I called you Jeanette. I called you Emmanuel. I called you. And I called you in such a way that you hear your name being called. And you start to shake off the, the clothes. But his voice is not heard in that passage. But he is yet alive. Sometimes the people who are yet alive are in the background. You don't hear everything. You don't see everything. You don't even catch every testimony. But can you imagine being Lazarus and saying, Do you hear him? Do you hear Judas asking such crazy questions? What is the cost? My sister prayed that I would come back alive. And I'm yet alive. And hey, they asked it about anoint the man. The sacrifice my sister prayed. I'm thankful that my sister prayed. And she prayed hard. And even when she was in the moment of ugly, God said, it's all right. 
Amen. And Lazarus was yet alive. Can't you see the look at say, Now look, Judas, keep it down. My sister prayed for me. And she didn't say the oil, let her use the oil. Hallelujah unto the oil. Don't put more power in the oil. Just let it be known that my sister. And there's a lot of sisters and brothers right here that have prayed for one another. That there's been some Lazarus that have been woke up on this here side of us. But we don't hear Lazarus' voice in this passage. Does it mean he didn't think the oil was worth the cost? Maybe he just didn't know how to express it yet. You've been somewhere and God has been so good, and you just say, I'm going to keep it to myself. I can't even express it. I can't tell nobody. And you just be sitting there like a cat on the edge of a curse, wanting to bow and bark and scream and mad out after somebody, and you can't get nothing out, but you just be smiling. Woo, I love the Lord. He heard my cry. He brought me up out of darkness. He cut off all my clothes that was dead people clothes. And he has refreshed my soul. But you have to understand, Lazarus was the quiet secret in the story. Do you have any quiet secrets in your life that you can honestly say, God, I'm not sure why you said I was worth it, but I'm thanking God that somebody has some oil with my name on it. I'm thanking God that somebody maybe didn't have enough oil to anoint my whole body, but they just anointed this one left hand. I take the anointing on the left hand, even if you can't anoint my whole body, even if you can't make me fully yet new. I take the anointing just on that one finger and allow the Holy Spirit to multiply and work unto my body. So the bottom line is sometimes we put a price tag on something that is priceless. Sometimes we put an opinion on something that requires no opinion. Sometimes we see traitors in our life and we want to spend all the time speaking about Judas. But what did Jesus say to Judas? Oh, hush up. Keep it down. Keep it down. Leave her alone. She brought it so that I might be kept from my burial. Jesus was telling the disciples at that point, whether you believe me or not, whether we go through Passover, whether we go through this season, I need you to understand, I'm getting ready to die. And I'm getting ready to die for your sins and my sins for the saving grace of a most high God. Jesus knew what was getting ready to happen. And he warned the people who were the closest to him, his disciples, excuse me, something ready to happen. Excuse me, I'm getting ready to go to the city and they're going to hang me on the cross. Excuse me. I just need you to know, we're going to have our last supper in a few minutes. Excuse me. Something ready happen. She's not out of order. She's going to need that oil for my body. But by the time she comes to anoint me, I will already be risen. So the bottom line is the sacrifice that she was willing to give Jesus for anointing his body. He accepted it with love, with grace, with mercy. And he said, uh-huh, she can give it to me. But when it comes time, the sacrifice won't be wasted because it'll be more than worth the cost because I will rise up yet again, walk in a new way. You will see the glory of the Lord. Dad, Dad, buddy, I will be here on the cross. I will rise up and go ahead. That's the sacrifice that he gave for you and me. So it's not about the all. 
It's about knowing he paid all the price for you and for me. What we gave through the spirit of Mary, he gave to the multiple over and over and over again. But you have to wonder, what sacrifice are each of us willing to make for Jesus? That's a personal question. Maybe when I ask the question, how much were you willing to give up your view and your salary? Maybe you were like Judas, and maybe you were like Mary. Maybe when you said, I would offer a gift unto Jesus for the preparation of his body as he comes to be killed on the cross for you and me. Maybe you said, I'm like Mary, I'll sacrifice everything I have. Or maybe I'm like Judas and I'll get back to you, Jesus. Will you sacrifice to make somebody else's life more bearable? Will you sacrifice to mission and give love to others that they may see the light of God through you and you and you and you? Will you sacrifice and have a no-strings-attached policy? Will you give it just because Jesus said give it anyhow? Will you give it through the spirit of accountability and the spirit of love, but not look to blame somebody or shame somebody if it doesn't look exactly like you thought it should have looked because you said, this is how we've always done it. Isaiah said, he's doing a new thing. Do you believe him? Do you understand him? Do you realize that it's not he's doing a new thing on your agenda, he's doing a new thing on his? Will you love him enough? Or will you look at the box and simply say, somebody has broken the oil tab. Somebody has broken the seal. And since I'm not sure I'm going to anoint him with it right now, I want to take it back to the nearest perfume counter. Or you're trying to return the sacrifice because it didn't get used like you thought it was going to get used. Or you're trying to look at the perfume and the nod and saying, I think this is the wrong fragrance. I don't think I want this kind. Maybe when Jesus comes next week, I'll have some more oil. I just need to return it. Then I keep my receipt. This is a no-strings-attached sacrifice. It's not about a nice box. It's not about the seal being broken. It's about the willingness to give when God says give. It's about the willingness to go the extra mile when he says, I know that I know that I am. For he is the great I am. And he didn't ask you whether you liked it. He simply said, leave alone. She brought this that I might, it may be kept for the day of my burial. Lastly but not least, in the church we don't talk about things that need to be buried. We don't talk about things that need to be changed. Because we struggle with the change. We talk about it not necessarily verbally, but through our body language. We keep our arms closed. We don't look to the left or the right. And we simply say, please don't focus your attention on me because you're stepping on my toes. 
turn to your neighbor and say, ouch. All of our toes get stepped on from time to time because God is calling us into a sacrificial example of what it means to love him unconditionally. For he died upon the cross that we may be set free. I asked the confirmation students to tell me what they thought sin was. Got a lot of different answers. Many of them were very, very good. But we talked more about not what the act of sin is, but what it does to our souls. Sin separates us from Jesus Christ. God's grace is sufficient, and his provenient grace is everywhere. But when we walk unto God, and we bow down and say, I am going to give my life to you, we move from provenient grace into justifying grace. That grace that honors that forgiving blessedness of really making the commitment to be born again in Jesus Christ. And we move from justifying grace and we live through our spiritual journey in sacrificial grace. That we seek God everywhere and every how that we can. Are we perfect at it? No. But when we decide we'll get back to you, God, or as some of us would say, when we take off our glasses so we can't hear anymore, we'll catch that later on. Folks who wear glasses know it affects their eyes and their ears. But the bottom line is we get to that decision-making power and say, God, your free will tells me that I don't have to remember what you first told me. And so the bottom line, when God is prepared to do a new thing, we as his people are prepared to do an old thing. So today, if we're going to walk through the grace and the love of Jesus Christ, it's important for us to each ask the question to ourselves, what was the cost of the oil? And are we willing to buy some more oil and more oil? and more oil, because Jesus died that we may have life, and that he is calling us into a life of extravagant generosity. There are some children that came before you that need to go to college. When their parents first saw the choices that they were making, they immediately got into another level kind of prayer. God makes a way. And the oil is a good cause. But they need the body of Christ to offer that sacrificial oil, that oil of prayer, that oil of concern, that oil of passion, that oil of, hey, how are you doing? But they also need the care that comes in the Walmart card, the discus, the notebooks, the computer the contributing of the expanded cost of being in college. You may say, well, they're not on my budget. And you're acting like a Judas at that point. You say, well, wait, wait a minute. I claim them as my children, but not that far. They're not on my income tax, so look, mm -mm. I'll tell them, Mama, see what we can do. The bottom line is we've got to get past that extreme. If your organization has a scholarship or you know something about somebody, then we have to reach out to those parents and those children and say, hey, how can we help? 
They're not asking to be put in your budget, but they're asking for some love. These children who are young and growing up, they want a double dutch party. They want a sleepover. They want a choir. They want our help. So we've got to make that sacrificial giving. It's not the physical or it's the all of extravagant generosity and faith-forming relationships that we are called into this new commitment to care for one another. The person who's at the other season of their life and some of their friends have passed away. All of their friends are not there because we are their friends. We are their community. We are their extended children. For us not to call up and see how Mr. or Mr. So-and-so is, we're not using the oil. And finally, today God cracked the seal and the fragrance is among us. Can't you smell the oil? Can't you smell what it means to be saved by the grace of God? And if you can smell it, and if you can smell it and somebody else can, it's up to us to tell somebody the flowers and the fragrance of the Most High God is worth it. Come and smell the flowers and receive all that God has for you. The doors of the church are open.